0: You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio, and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at... Crime Traveler, Season 1 and only, Episode 6, Death Minister. Episode Synopsis. A dangerous gang known as the Apostles is meticulously planning a bank heist. Unbeknownst to them, Slade and Turner are watching them from above. They return to the present in time for Grissom, Slade, and the team to thwart the crime like clockwork. Mostly. Back in the office, Grissom ponders Slade's incredible police record lately. So much so that she details Morris to spy on Slade to find out how he's doing it. Meanwhile, it looks like Slade will be doing it any time soon. Another piece of the time machine is broken and Turner puts her foot down. This machine wasn't built for doing something productive like maintaining law and order. This machine was built for secret, dusty academic pursuits so that she could someday prove that her father was right about time travel being possible. Slade agrees to solve the next crime using good old-fashioned detective work. That next crime comes very soon when retired minister Sir Ian Hawkins is murdered in his home. The case has all those weird hallmarks of a time travel intervention, too, like extra blood spots, strange calls to emergency services about a madman on the premises, and a mysterious unidentified person running away. Even though retired, Hawkins was a big deal, and Grissom wants this solved post-haste. Slade under the watchful, if incompetent, eye of Morris, follows his leads. First, he questions Kirby, Hawkins' former driver, who has recently gone into business with Hawkins selling telephone boxes as art. They reportedly had a fight the morning of the murder. Kirby denies being the killer. While visiting Kirby's phone box emporium, he spies a battered old police box amongst the collection, and he gets an idea. He goes to Turner and tries to get her to let him use the machine. But she steadfastly refuses, and when he tries to schmooze her with dinner, she turns him down because she's attending a lecture this evening. Slade also catches Morris acting suspiciously, perhaps listening in outside Turner's door. Slade uses Turner's lecture appointment to break into her flat and use the machine himself. He cannot possibly expect that to end well, can he? Outside, Morris is distracted from observing Turner's flat. Back in time, before the murder, Slade visits Hawkins, pretending to be the window cleaner who had mysteriously turned up 30 minutes early to do the job that day. Listening in, he overhears that Kirby and Hawkins argued about, well, it was just basically incompetence in business matters, and Kirby leaves, with Hawkins very much alive. Slade finally gets the chance to try something he's really been wanting to do. He confronts Hawkins, and he tells him the truth that he has traveled back in time by a Turner time machine to warn him that he is about to be killed. Hawkins knows about Turner's work with Einstein Rosenbridges from his days at the ministry, and he seems to take Slade seriously, until he clubs him unconscious and calls emergency services to report a madman, just as someone else shoots him dead. Slade awakens, gets the license number of a... Window-cleaning truck leaving the premises, and as the police arrive, he hightails it on foot, chased by the police. Unbeknownst to him, he loses the critical watch component of the time machine as he leaps over the wall. Slade heads to the station to run the license plate, where he bumps into Turner moments after she turned him down. He uses the opportunity to warn her that Morris is spying on them. He gets the name and the address of Robert Mather, owner of the truck, and goes to investigate him. As he's leaving the station, Morris is witness to multiple instances of Slade being in the building at once. Mickey comes to Turner with a strange item he found on the grounds at the scene of the crime, and he wants her opinion on what it might be. It is the watch component of the time machine, and Turner knows exactly what that means. She has to find Slade now, before his time runs out. Slade meets Robert Mather, who basically confesses to killing Hawkins, his illegitimate father, for failing to save his mother's life. Slade tries to talk him into turning himself in, but when Slade finally notices the watch component of the time machine is missing, he gets too urgently insistent, and Mather shoots him in the leg and ties him up. Turner and Nicky use good old-fashioned TV detective-style police work to chase and force <laughs> Kirby to reveal that he was blackmailing Hawkins with knowledge of the affair Hawkins had and his illegitimate adult son, who also happened to be the window cleaner. Turner dumps Nicky and goes to find Mather. Mather is planning a huge gas explosion to kill Slade, but Turner rescues him, returning to the time machine with moments to spare. Turner, distracting Morris so that Slade can enter undetected. All's well that ends well, right? But Turner doesn't think so and is furious, kicking Slade out and slaying that he will never use the time machine again. Honestly, Slade, what did you think was going to happen when Turner found out? Back at the station, Morris gives his report to Grissom. He has concluded that Slade and Turner are hooked up with a secret cabal of informers known as The Machine, which is out of town, so that when Slade has to go get information from him, he uses a stand-in double at the station to conceal his absence. Grissom kicks him out. The end. Well, Death Minister, what did you think? Well,
1: whenever I I kind of feel like Horowitz is... Wobbling off the balance of this, and I, and I I guess I have done a bit. He's he's well certainly in this one he surprised me by turning it round as part as a central part of the plot. In the sense that the whole like the whole concept right is mashing of genres. Horowitz mm-hmm. is a genre man. He he writes Sherlock Holmes. He writes James Bond. And obviously the appeal of this is mashing together the 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 kind of detective show with the sci-fi show and uh-huh. star Cops has done the same thing yep. uh in a slightly different way because it's the police procedural where this is a who it, and it's a space opera where this is a time travel and i mean i guess with star cops they the police procedural i mean it's an interesting show for sure but the police procedural is a tricky one to pull off because it kind of depends on having established procedures and obviously we don't really right. know what space cops do. Um, but you can't get away from the kind of sci-fi setting because it's, well, it's in space a lot of the time. And with this one, it's, it's, I mean, it is a whodunit, which is why I think the police procedure is all over the place. But the police procedure is all over the place, and we come back to that. But <laughs> at the, oh, yeah, at the start of the episode, you get something that has been bleeding through in some of the previous episodes, I think, which is that the... Time Machine has become a bit of a MacGuffin in the sense that they have to use it in the episode because otherwise it's not a proper sci-fi cop show mashup, It's just a cop show, right? But in the opening scene, you're just like, well, they've used they've used the Time Machine to go and listen to this gang doing their plotting so that they can go and then subsequently thwart the gang. But there's nothing inherently time travelly about that. I mean, the point is they have to be there when the gang are plotting. And from a story point of view, that could just as easily have been through them getting a timely tip-off as it could have been through them finding out a little bit too late and then jumping back. And yet, just as I'm thinking that, the whole story then turns on, well, actually, this is the whole point. We're going to have a storyline about how Jeff actually could do most of what he does through proper police work or as you put it tv detective style police work or as the you know u.n convention on human rights would probably put it torture
0: i do have that word in my notes yes
1: but but um yeah i mean I, i i i i guess i quite sort of appreciated that the fact that they made those parallels and turned around a virtue out of what was appearing to be a weakness in the episode because I mean I think you I think there is you do need to balance I mean genre is a platform right you just you're using a, a kind of set of conventions to tell your story and your story is actually about the characters or your themes and this is all about kind of trust and secrets and what have you but if you are going to use those conventions as your platform you can't just sort of particularly if you're trying to mash two of them together you can't just forget about one yeah. and yeah. so i i thought this was quite a sort of a, it's all, it's almost a kind of cakeist way as in having your having your cake and eating it of getting out of the problem that you set yourself of every week you've got to devise a story which relies on having access to time travel to
0: solve something that would otherwise have been impossible to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing, and it has been a little bit of time between recordings of this. So I watched this episode and my impression was, you know, I think I might've enjoyed this one the most to date. Um, except, except the extreme cringe factor when Slade decides to break in and use the time machine that just that just like oh 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 i'm it's i i cringed up like someone had kicked me in the the sensitive parts because it's like oh i can't believe oh that's oh this is gonna hurt so bad when she catches him which inevitably you know which, she's going to catch him indeed because you know i mean
1: the if there's one thing we know about jeff other than that he is a completely unprincipled asshole. it's that he is incompetent and so he is definitely proving true to the developing arc of his character in that respect and we know that this is going we know he is going to steal in and try the time machine on his own from the moment that holly says what you need to do is use your natural skills to actually solve the crime the traditional way by good old fashioned hard work. Torture. And we know that, we know that Jeff does not enjoy hard work of any sort. He enjoys doing it the easy way.
0: Parkour. He loves parkour. That he, sh- that's well, a hard yes. yes. That's, but... yes.
1: <laughs> that's not necessarily the easy way sometimes. But yeah, that's, that's the exception that proves the rule of us. Yeah.
0: Um, it, it is, um, the other thing I think it felt more I don't know, maybe it's just, again because of the length of time. It definitely felt like when they were explaining the crime, you're just like, Oh yeah, that's obviously evidence of time travel. That's oh yeah. yeah, okay. This is definitely time travel. Whereas in the first one you weren't it wasn't obvious. It was obvious in retrospect. In the next time we caught it, I think it was Aunt Mary's death. You're kind of like, Well, that sounds like that might have been them. And in this one, you're like, well, he's not supposed to be using time travel, and yet, this feels like a time travel story. Um, so, and and I, and I think that is because he started playing with the formula of his own
1: invention. There, it's yeah, it it it's not just that he talks about the window cleaner, you know, no, he he mentions the window cleaner, and no one can say anything about the window cleaner. What and he then looks he like, yeah, the window cleaner, window cleaner running away and then slay that literally draws attention to the fact that well but the window cleaner would have had a ban so why would he have been running away away? and so he's really hammering that point you are you're going to be absolutely convinced that this is a time travel story so that you know you know that when jeff says he or jeff appears to agree that he's going to not use time travel on this occasion that something is going to happen
0: yeah let me couple things that i have in my fun category uh that was one of them the fact that it's kind of obvious but uh i i did appreciate morris's confusion with two slades we've been kind of building <laughs> to this like we had the the time where slade was not in sight but causing morris problems but this time morris clearly can see two slades not at the exact same instant, but because you can't see them both in the same eye line, but at impossible no, two that, locations at the same time. Yeah. It's like one in an elevator that, that, over there, one going down the stairs over there. It's like, uh, yeah. It saves them any
1: sort of fantasy compositing work because they can just do it through editing.
0: Yeah. Well, I, Obviously, slates can't come together. So I, fine with that. Well, I because also. Because of the bridge limitation effect. Exactly. Speaking of which, the TARDIS which I guess is just probably well, sitting around in the BBC props department. Well, I was thinking about it because
1: it's, uh, this is 97 and the movie was 96, but uh-huh. the movie was filmed in Canada, wasn't it? I think so. So,
0: yeah. so well, My um, question to you was which version of the TARDIS was that? I thought Well, I sure you not have checked See, it I
1: thought, out. I, I, I don't have that kind of uh, in-depth recognition of, you know, the, window size or i know this the sign on the door changes from black on white to white on black sometimes but uh it it passes free by i'll be honest what i did appreciate was that and and dudley weaved a little bit of the doctor who
0: theme in there oh yeah yeah that was very nice that was very clear yeah yeah um all right i'll switch to the uh my troubling aspects which is a much bigger list (laughs) um Starting with Grissom, I'll just put the questions out here. Is it right for chief inspector to assign someone to spy on their own staff? Has she bothered setting Slade down and asking him how he's doing it? And what did he say? And did she have any right to say all those horrible things, no matter how incompetent he is, to Morris at the end? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that was seemed over the line in the HR department there to make. You're a yeah, stupid but, incompetent uh, moron or whatever she called him. You get out of my office and Yeah. I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's worse than other like like you say, this is
1: kind of TV detective style version of the police. And I have I have some notes about police procedure as usual that I will come back to. But I think it wouldn't necessarily be surprising now whether that would you know, whether in a real police station where I have take out agreements. I, do, I mean, I don't know. I, do, I doubt that, to be honest, police forces are actually that well run that these kind of <laughs> horrible examples of bullying and harassment never occur. And, of course, the power structures are such that you would only want to challenge them if you had very, very kind of robust procedures for doing so. But I, I, what I wouldn't say is that there's any particular reason why Grisham should go to Slade first, I mean obviously there's a there's a kind of theme running through this episode that is all about trust and secrets, and it I mean obviously there is the long standing secret that Holly is trying to keep around the the machine which she has trusted Jeff with, which where he breaks her trust. Jeff is keeping secrets in terms of how good he is. Or how he how he is resolving all of these crimes in a somewhat atypical way um the Presumably actual... he
0: puts in the reports some version well he yes of how he puts
1: put, yeah. so, put something in there but it, it, i think I think there's a line where Grisham says was well, an informant or something. but obviously it's a change from his previous performance, and that has raised suspicions, so I have gotten the impression, that, though, that Slade was the best they had. Anyway, I didn't get that impression myself. I didn't. I never got a sign of. I mean, obviously, Slade himself thinks he's quite good, and Holly, though this may not be completely unbiased, thinks he is capable of being quite good. Uh-huh. But no one is really disputing the fact that he's rather lazy. Oh, and absolutely not. Because I, we've I'm seen in lazy, ways in which he has broken. Trust and he has cut corners. The idea that he might be corruptible isn't that far fetched, I don't think. But wouldn't you so, go
0: to uh, H uh, Internal Affairs or whatever they call it over there? I mean, assigning your own staff to trace track your own staff seems like a really bad idea. Well, I I mean, except I, we get Morris doing Morrisy things, and you know. I, th- I think one of the problems is,
1: why would she trust Morris? That's the note I've got. Is this... So, obviously, if you do suspect someone within your own department, I don't necessarily think you would run to complaints without having serious evidence. And so you would probably kind of do a bit of legwork on your own. You'd work through the paperwork and you would see if there actually was a pattern that backed up your suspicions... And if you did confide in someone else, it would
0: not be Morris. So, yeah. The the only question is, if if there's the possibility that Slade might be in some way corrupt, which is the only reason why you'd want to, what kind of corruption leads to a better arrest record? Do they think he's setting the crimes up so he can, I, I don't know, it just, okay, she's suspect of his performance review, but. How do you cheat on something like that?
1: I don't know well, I guess Unless the other possibility believe. is it's it's not a, it's not about corruption or whatever, but it is about Slade has some information source or informants who he is not registering or revealing, and I guess it's a kind of natural suspicion about what's going on the i did. Mean, I mean another another kind of slight problem with it is that the point Grisham makes to Morris is that Jeff essentially couldn't just be solving them by doing good police work. But then the point the wider point in the story, because we actually see Holly solving it without the time machine, is that you can do it by good police work. So it seems like those two things are running contrary to each other.
0: Mm-hmm. and i'm gonna ask this question but yes okay morris is a bit thick however when she chews him out at the end about how stupid his his explanation is or his his hypothesis with regards to what slade is doing is he actually really that far off the mark i mean he, if no. it's somebody asked you to explain odd events and you saw two versions of the same guy in two different places at an impossible different time, you would never think it was time travel. you would think it was a double. you'd have to think it was a double and you know what his explanation, although far fetched kind of fits what he observed it's it's not... and
1: it's, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't go much beyond his observations and I kind of think this is the this is ultimately the point of that subplot it's Grisha, Grisham has suspicions she puts Morris on it. Morris is an idiot and everyone knows that he's an idiot. So it's a bit like, you know, the boy who cries wolf. He, he says he, they are used to him saying things that are idiotic. And so when he comes out with a load of stuff that is idiotic, rather than thinking this could be true on this occasion, it just gets dismissed as being even worse than the normal kind of uh, Morris
0: nonsense. Uh, Obviously, we, we've touched on it, but I don't want to give a pass to Slade. How, yes, he's lazy. Yes, he's an asshole. But h- how did he think that this could end any other way? Because when he's he just uses a kind the of
1: massively entitled, overconfident pass. I mean, he just assumes everything
0: will work out all right for him in the end because he's the golden boy. That was... It's like, even for him, this one seemed... Just a little far. Also, you know, Holly did lie to him when she said she solved the case with good old fashioned detective work. She didn't. She tortured someone. That is not that is not good old fashioned police work. She used she cheated. But, uh <laughs> yeah. I sure, like did. Rushing. I'm not rushing
1: <laughs> to uh, endorse that particular approach. I guess if you were to put up a defence for it, it would be along the lines of she was already on the right lines. She got to that place through good old-fashioned police work and she did something that got her a result within the time frame she had available, the time frame having been created by Jeff's stupidity. So she would Uh, have got there by good old-fashioned police work and without torture. If she'd had a couple of days more and she could, of course, had as long as she liked if Jeff hadn't
0: been in danger of getting sucked into the loop of infinity, which, you know, has has been foreshadowed because the beginning of the series was Jeff Slade and the loop of infinity. So I think maybe that's uh, something they're trying to tell us about Jeff's fate. But um, so there's one thing in this episode that really made me perk up and I'm shouting at the I'm shouting at the TV because Slade seems to completely ignore the ramifications of it. And that is that Hawkins knows. He he didn't he didn't just come up with oh yeah, I'm familiar with Turner's word when he a ministry with the Einstein Einstein bridges to for time travel. He knows the <laughs> There is more to this than just her dad working in his apartment building a time machine while everyone else scoffs at him as the crazy old man this is a thing government ministers know about and high up uk minister know about and it makes me wonder you know what did he know when did he know it who else knows and does the uk government have access to time travel or at least Turner Senior's notes, if not an actual machine, it's like this. This really sets it up for like, whoa, there's more. There's more time machine out there. This is this is not. I, and Jeff is just like, and off he goes. I think I think Hollywood want to know. I am
1: wondering what 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 we can actually conclude from this because initially, in that exchange, it is like. A ma- there is a massive revelation that the the minister appears to believe what Jeff is te- is saying, and and recognise Turner, and that makes you think that there is far more going on than we knew about. But then he turns around and belts Jeff with his lamp, mm-hmm. and when he calls the police, he says, "There's a madman here," like. Uh-huh. He was just humoring him like Jeff was just yep. rambling. But he definitely regurgitated things that
0: Jeff didn't say to him.
1: Well, he, that's where I think theory. that we we need to tread tread a path the, um, in terms of what he does know and what he doesn't believe, because Jeff, he has to have known who Turner is to know <laughs> that it was to do with Einstein-Rosenbridges, right? Because right. You know, why would he why would he make that connection if he literally knew nothing about Turner? He wouldn't. So he has to know about Turner and there has to be an awareness of Turner and Turner's work. It's if also that, the case that he does believe that Jeff knows about Turner and Turner's work. I mean, why else would Jeff turn up talking about Turner? But I think, and I don't, you know, I don't, The only other explanation is that the the minister was being disingenuous and we didn't get to find out how because he then got shot. But that would be a pretty strange way of kind of structuring this narrative. So I think that he is genuine when he thinks that Jeff is a madman. He he thinks that Jeff is mad because, because Jeff has extrapolated from what Turner was working on, which he is aware of, to thinking that Turner actually implemented it and created a time machine, which he clearly thinks is far far, far beyond current
0: possibilities i it, it um mm, i mean yes the 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 head guy over at the Institute of time or wherever it was Holly was giving her speech a few episodes back uh obviously knew about her father's time experiments and he thought it was hogwash as well, so I mean it is possible that that Turner did some work for the government and the government concluded that it was nonsense. And that's why Hawkins knows about it. It's also possible that Hawkins may have felt that he needed to silence Jeff in some way. When somebody pops in talking about some super uber classified piece of knowledge that this a guy showing up, shouldn't, shouldn't know about. And that, he may have been planning to do something further with jeff before the police arrived and he never got the chance to do so well that's that's I... possible but i i don't i i don't think he would have made that call in that
1: way if that was the case i think i i think we would have been presented with something else so i agree there's no way of being definitive about it but the yeah on balance i think he's aware of ter we've had this a lot you know we've had <laughs> As you say, the guy at the Institute of Time, we have had Slade Sr. in the prison library. And now we've got this minister all aware of Turner and what Turner's theories were. And don't forget the prison motto,
0: time flies.
1: Well, quite. But, But nothing actually solid to show that anyone else apart from Holly knows that he's actually managed to
0: make a time machine work at this stage now i, I just going to point this out if somebody else if the uk government has a time machine based on what we've seen so far with holly's time machine i'm not saying it's useless because obviously it's not useless but we don't have to worry about somebody going back in time and changing the course of history because it's already baked in i mean it, they, they've established this par- this non-paradox arrangement if you will that well, it's still a paradox i guess but yeah it's it's but, it's but a Bruce, it doesn't bootstrap paradox rather than the grandfather paradox so you know well, it could be dozens of the darn things out there working all the time and we wouldn't know and it wouldn't matter except that you know some cop is solving more crimes than he should have perhaps some british intelligence branch is doing a little bit better at their spy game um then then they thought but uh yeah it's just it, it's and it, and it it raises me to the other question and i know i've asked it before but i have to ask it again and i'll probably because it's key to this episode what is she trying to prove she, she's trying to prove her father right that's what she keeps saying she's trying to prove she's proved it if she doesn't show anybody yep. What, what, what is she, what, why does she continue to work on the time machine? It works. I'm not saying it's perfect. I don't even know what perfect would look like, but it definitely, absolutely proves that her father was not wrong, that time travel is possible and she could prove it to people that time travel is possible, that the the fundamental principles of the physics are all good. And so she's got a time machine that she wants to sit on and do nothing with because she doesn't want Jeff to use it. And yet, despite the fact that it's lazy and poor police work and any way you go about it, Jeff is using the time machine to actually catch real people who have committed real crimes, not catch the wrong guy and put him in jail for 30 years. I mean, he is he is doing I'm putting it in air quotes, but he's doing societal good. He he actually has a use for the time machine. Holly has nothing. I don't I don't get it. Well, what is she I, waiting no, well, I for? Yeah, I mean, so, And if it's so more testing, far, he, he, hey, they're getting it.
1: So far he's done good. But don't forget the time machine doesn't actually take the place of being a detective. It just takes you back in time to do your detecting, which gives you a natural advantage. So I think but the, there is a result. There versus... would be every possibility that Jeff would end up jumping to the wrong conclusion from the observations that he makes in the past and still put someone... I don't think it's going to happen in this story because it's not this kind of series, but just extending that kind of logical proposition. I think in terms of Holly and what she's doing, it's pretty clear from the way she has behaved up to this point that she is not exactly resolute about not using the time machine. She knows she probably shouldn't do it, but on numerous occasions, she has proved incredibly easy to convince that they should go back in
0: time. Well, what's the
1: point of having a time machine if you don't? And and, probably from the very first episode we've seen that she does it herself. So, yes. At least
0: once, yeah. There's there's Uh, a certain amount of Before Slade started. Yeah, Uh, And the other thing is, you know, she's always going on about money. I guarantee you if she publishes, first off she's probably got a Nobel Prize which is a chunk of change and probably wouldn't take too terribly long to get that one but she would certainly get grant money she would certainly be able to get work at a research institute she would not have to worry about might be in defense there is there is a little bit in this episode about her dislike of the minister who was shot you know she she points out that he was I forgot what he was trying to do but it was you know typical Tory kind of behavior take away coal from freezing grannies or something but you know she that's the first time she's made any kind of comment like that about somebody she knew hawkins and she knew she didn't like him she also could tie into something about her father it could just be sort of uh you know you don't like this guy and so everything he does you like less but the other thing you know how is she trying to do this i think there's an implication she's trying to rescue her father and once again if you publish and people can recreate the work and build upon the work somebody might find a way to save him and if she thinks it's too dangerous she should destroy it before telling anybody except jeff obviously and then maybe maybe destroy jeff too but <clears throat> leave him in a loop of infinity and then off they go but I, I just i don't I mean get, it, again this is it, it, dep- it,
1: it depends on the type of genre that you're in but because this isn't exactly the x-files but if it became publicly known that she had a time machine then you kind of think well then the uk government would have a time machine and would that sit well with her? because the power that you get from being able to travel back in time even if you can't change it
0: is maybe not something that you want certain people to have so i'll throw this out here for I don't know if we're going to get here first in this episode, airing order for Fusion Patrol. I don't know if this one will get there first or whether the other one will get there first. But in the TV series, Logan Logan's Run, which John and I have, have done and is running at roughly the same time as this one, there is an episode in which the, the premise of Logan's Run is that the future nuclear war wiped out mankind and their dome city survivors. You know, the typical uh 500 years in the future the world sucks kind of thing there is an episode where a time traveler comes from before the war to see what life is like after in the future and he finds out about the war and the stories about something else but in the end he returns the but he does not find out what causes the war and in the end he returns to the past and when he gets to the past and their research team announces successful time travel. That is what starts the war. The Russians immediately demand that they be given time travel right now before you go back in time and kill our leaders before they're born kind of thing. So it, they're relying on the fear about how time travel might work. And when that doesn't come forth, then they launch the missiles and the war begins and the world ends. That shouldn't happen here because you can't change the past yes it's a powerful weapon perhaps yes but but it's not it's not oh we've we've gone back in time and killed putin when he was a baby yes yes and and we and we and we haven't brought the world to an end but
1: it doesn't have to be quite that binary and the 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 power that you would have just from being able to go back and even even if you can't necessarily change anything is still something where already powerful and unpleasant people i mean i i I don't think that's what this show is about, like I say, because that's not that's not the the style of it, but if it were what we've got already is the fact that the minister knows something about this, and the minister is definitely an unsavory character mm-. Mm-hmm. You well, know, obviously a we, Tory, board. yeah, an unscrupulous character. He's he's an unpleasant kind of person.
0: I just I feel like this is there's something important happened there in that moment, and we'll see some fruit from it later on. You could be wrong, but it just it felt like too much of a thing to pass. Even though he even though he passed it off as Jeff's a madman, we don't know what his next sentence could have been when he was on the phone. Is there was a madman in the house? I've had to shoot him. And but send the police. If but that it, were, but, if but that, in fact if that sh- were
1: the if that were the story I would have thought we would have seen that. Uh, I can't I can't, I can't see I, I, a good a good reason stepping outside of the story, I can't see a good reason why that wouldn't have been written in
0: if that were the way this was intended to go. Admittedly you do probably need to lay it on a little bit thicker than what Jeff might have seen. But yeah. yeah. Well this is Generally speaking, this is not subtle, so that is true.
1: <laughs> it 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 doesn't necessarily seem the kind of show where you can extrapolate these kind of much larger conspiracies from very uh, small clues because, you know, the clues are not small to anything else. I think that is all I have on my notes. Have you got anything to discuss? I, ha- I have... Uh, Very little else, but a a few kind of small points that have come up on some themes we've talked about before. So one one of which is, we've talked about Holly's job. She is the science officer, I think. (laughs) Yep. And so there was this question of, well, what is the science officer? And my assumption that it was a way of alluding to forensic science and that she was essentially someone who came to the scene of the crime and did science Did I was trying to try not to say did science, but exactly (laughs) used the scientific approach in order to interpret the evidence on the scene. For example, if there was a blood stain being able to determine uh, whether the blood came, being able to make comparisons of where that blood came from and they ask her about it and Holly says she'd had she thinks they're different, well, or she she determines they're different, but she, she can't uh, confirm any other comparisons without checking with forensic. Yep, yeah. Which surprised <laughs> me quite a lot, because up to that point, you know, in crime traveller world, I had assumed that Holly was
0: essentially supposed to represent forensic. So that was, yeah, that was one weird thing. Well why did why, by the way, why did Slade put the candlestick back, but not try to clean up the blood stain? I have no idea I have no idea he He, he did I mean, have I, the feeling like he was trying to reset the crime
1: scene I, well just... I wondered if it I wondered if he was actually suddenly it was a Damascene conversion where he decides now he has to rather than trying to change the past. he has to fit everything to how it was in the past because why not just leave the the candlestick there It's not. Well, doesn't seem. Yeah, I
0: mean, it wasn't there when he was there earlier, so I guess, yeah, it it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, just purely on a very
1: personal point, the recorder that Morris uses in this episode, which is a little uh, Sanyo dictaphone, but one that uses full size cassettes. Mm-hmm. It's the same one I had. I was very happy to see that. I remember getting it, and and. I thought it was so much better. It was mono. It was a mono bah. cassette player, which it had a built-in speaker as well as headphones, And it could record. And I thought, well, all these other personal stereos, yeah, they might be stereos, but you've got to put headphones on and you can't record things with them. So I loved that little thing. Um, and I'd forgotten all about it until that scene. So <laughs> for me, that was, tech nostalgia. A, that was just a massive, yeah, massive tech nostalgia hit. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, we've talked before about police procedure in this show, so I couldn't, I couldn't kind of pass over a couple of things. One was a, an explicit allusion to police procedure. As we've said, Holly does indulge in a little light torturing or threatened torturing in order to extract information from a suspect in this. And Nicky Nikki says, this is completely contrary to normal police procedure, which I enjoyed on a couple of levels. Partly because any time anyone in this show says this is contrary to normal police procedure, you can't help but laughing at it. Or you have to take a drink, yeah. It's... Uh... <laughs> but also kind of it's such a strange way of phrasing it to this is contrary to normal police procedure rather than saying um you know what about pace or the the evidence that you're going to get will be
0: completely inadmissible or so yeah of course she doesn't care i mean she does not care about the evidence she's after to save she slave. doesn't care which is which is yeah yeah which is fine but it's a it was a again i actually thought nikki the... was at his best in this episode in he wasn't incompetent he he wasn't incompetent he oh, wasn't right. as annoying as he normally is he actually came off like he's a promising junior detective instead of you know yet another one of the the goofballs at the station like morris well yeah that, if you're judging against morris i think morris was particularly
1: daft well Nikki
0: was very I think he was very i wouldn't have trusted him to do anything in say the first episode but when slade sends him back to the crime scene think it you know why not i i don't see any problem nicky go back look for anything that they missed he did indeed find it and a very uh obscure like legal location as well so you know he didn't do bad for what he was doing and he took it to the right place when he found it he goes straight to the science officer this is science yeah. what is it yeah. <laughs> He's been a a joke in previous episodes, and he he didn't come off as a joke in this episode, even with his weird delivery of, this is completely contrary to police procedure. He he was right. It was the right time to tell her that she's doing something wrong. Uh, Maybe not the right way to do it, uh, but—and maybe he doesn't feel that he can as a junior detective. You know, he is—Holly is a senior officer to him, so— I don't know. I just well, he was better.
1: All right. I mean, uh, it, the other, the other procedural thing is Nicky again, but I guess it's not, it's not him being a joke again. It's just the strange way it's written, but he comes wandering out of the house shouting into his radio. Right. Thanks
0: over and out. But why would you say out? Um, I'm not, I'm not too up on my actual radio procedure. That would be John's, <clears throat> That would be John's, uh, 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 whatever, hobby. Let's go with hobby. Um, don't you say over and out? That's what you say on all TV shows. over well, I, and out. Well, yeah, I'm I done. think that's where it comes from. This is from kind of TV
1: shows, but I, I don't think it, I mean, en- essentially, you're, you're ending a your communication, but you're still going to be, you know, but re- police officers are in radio contact all the time, aren't they? I mean, they keep their radios on. It's like, they're going to anyway it struck me as very strange Mm. but also just another piece of writing that felt like it was this this is just to show that he's a policeman talking on the radio and that's the kind of thing that police people say when they're talking on the radio
0: okay yeah no i I didn't catch it i mean it's again we are looking at something that's uh uh, you know so far removed now from the way the world works he'd be on a phone you know
1: (laughs) and it's funny i did have well, a, i did have a note about this story because it is one that you think would this work in the era of the mobile phone the ubiquitous mobile phone i mean not that you didn't have phones in 1997 right. but obviously jeff doesn't have one and a lot of the jeopardy in this episode comes from the fact that holly has to find jeff and she can't just ring his mobile and find out where he is yeah uh, and i thought but um... First of all, that is what you would do nowadays. And then secondly, but this is are, Jeff
0: who has traveled into the past. So uh-huh. could he travel with a mobile phone? And if he had a mobile phone, would it would it screw up the network because you've got two identical phones on the network yeah, at the or, same time? Yeah, or would he have to
1: use me. a phone that he'd left in the past like they do sometimes with the car? Anyway, it, 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 it did occur to me, but that was that was purely because this idea that, you know... You can't get hold of someone who you urgently need the, the, to warn. Just feels so alien. Twenty-five years later,
0: I, it is and wild. if she picked up the phone and called him, and she said, "Jeff, I know what you've done," and he's like, "What are you talking about?" Because <laughs> she gets the wrong one on the phone. Yeah. Well, yes, that would be that would be the problem. If... And would you would the, pol- the police or whoever be able to figure out that Jeff comes? And Holly come out of Holly's apartment with their phones when they're not there. And that's would they would they be able to see the pattern of their tracking? And would somebody be able to figure it out that it's a time travel? And is there anything on the phone that would be reporting what time it is so that it'd be a difference in timestamps? Oh, this is fascinating. Well, I could I could crawl down phone, this rabbit hole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the phone would be using network time protocol to set its time. So as soon as you travel That's into true. past, it would set itself back in time
0: and then it would be okay again, except that you'd have two of them. So it wouldn't be okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I got I to gotta find somebody who works for a phone company. So what would happen if two identical phones popped up on the network at the same time? And they go, well, they can't because they'd have, they'd have two different symptoms. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm talking about time travel here. What would happen if two identical phones? Wait, tell me what happened. Does the network crash? It probably all goes down. The whole thing it's like a, looks like a denial of service attack, and everywhere London gone because of it. Just like just like uh, the power going wacky in the uh, in the apartment complex, So they just wouldn't be able to understand why it's all screwed up. Anything well, else? I didn't necessarily mean to set
1: that hair running, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to look see, into I, this now. I'm going to give this some thought. That. I mean, obviously, there is. Morris is is uh, particularly idiotic in this episode. But I don't quite think. I think this is not a this is not a Morris criticism. It's a production criticism. In fact, there are a couple of sort of questions I had about the way this was done. So you got that scene where Morris is listening at the door with the plastic cup. So he's busy spying on. Jeff and Holly, and they're in Jeff's office or Holly's office, I forget which, and because he can't quite hear what they're saying, Morris goes to the door with a cup and puts his ear against it. The thing is, this door opens onto the larger open plan office area, right? And not only that, when we have shots of Jeff and Holly inside the office... It's filmed in such a way that you can see the window and where Morris is listening at the door. And beyond that, people are walking past. And Morris isn't trying to conceal himself from anyone else in the office. Like, hey, Morris, what are you doing listening at Jeff's door there? And equally, no one who is walking past is even giving Morris a second glance. It's not like they're turning around and going oh god what's morris up to now or kind of what is he doing they're literally just walking along as if he's not there Uh, uh. very strange way to stage it i thought
0: yeah you would think that they would at least just say we don't we don't want any people he he'd have to be bold enough to think that he could get up to the door and that would mean there would be nobody in sight just have to yeah yeah now i'm also curious about so the guy shoots jeff in the leg now we don't know did the bullet pass through the leg or did the bullet lodge in the leg and if the bullet lodged in the leg and then he comes back in time and he's healed because it couldn't possibly have happened to him where is the bullet uh, this is the same problem i had with that uh the betting ticket it's like he's got the ticket but it's got nothing on it how why are they not missing a ticket because i'm sure they're serialized somewhere it's like where where is that where is that bullet now well, maybe they, they are disappear are in the know, maybe
1: they, maybe he's, yeah maybe he's missing a bullet but but they've they've just disappeared into the loop of infinity but if it was lodged in his leg it would have to
0: dissolve <laughs> <leg>. <laughs> or, or it's, or it's on, still in yeah. the other dimension ah okay it it stayed behind with with ollie's dad um holly's <laughs> dad's just sitting in this empty white space and every once in a while a bullet or a lottery ink falls down it's like what is going on with my time machine what are they doing well conversely
1: there has got to be a there has got to be some blood that's come from somewhere because jeff has lost Mm -hmm. blood from the wound we know that that is that blood is still around in our dimension because some of it was oh no sorry the blood on the carpet was from an earlier wound wasn't it but anyway but assuming yeah. that blood is still around in our dimension, when he goes back to the time machine and gets restored, presumably he's no longer lost all that blood. So where has the blood come
0: from to replace the blood that got lost? Or where Speaking did the blood of... come from that did get lost? And loose sense if... that they didn't tie up in this episode because they don't actually tie up any loose. We say, oh, you've, you solved the crime. Holly knows she didn't solve the crime because they haven't arrested uh, the killer the killer got away they know who he is presumably they can put out a dragnet for him and they can they can run him down catch him and if he's as talkative as he was with Slade he'll he'll um, confess but what happens when he says yeah I shot him in the leg then <laughs> blew up the building and just like I was never shot <laughs> you must have missed and thought it that one that one should go into Grissom's list of this doesn't quite add up. But it's odd that they don't, this episode does not end with the case actually being, the criminal being brought in. They end it with Holly kicking him out of the office and then they go to the extraneous scene of Grissom talking with Morris and calling him an idiot and kicking him out. So it's, it's an odd way to end this episode.
1: I did think it. I did think it was odd and I did think it would have made more sense to end it on Jeff getting thrown out of the time machine.
0: Yeah. And then like a cliffhanger, like how is he going to get to the lottery experiment next week? And um, my yeah. last, my last um, point is also
1: a production point, And it relates to that very scene, which is that when Holly throws him out of the time machine,
0: you hear the time oh, yeah. machine
1: sound effect.
0: Yes. But I don't I know have why. a note there. It says, why did we hear that sound? Yes, I. I absolutely like noticed that. It's almost like it's a that.
1: soundtrack thing rather than a, you know, and because it's not like the time machine. It's not supposed to suggest. I think that the time machine is being used at that point.
0: Yeah, my 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 notes. Maybe, maybe like, we'll get resolved next week. We'll have to see. But it's weird. But my terribly written notes, which is what I do when I go through the episode, is um, say goes in, scrapes by holly knew and tells him about the crime um sorry will not do kicks him out what was that sound it's like that's that i mean it was it it's glaring it's glaring it's like she and the only thing i can think of is is did that happen coincide when she slammed the door because isn't wasn't that the time machine door not her apartment door i'm not sure Because I think when she closes the door, there might be a a mechanical noise from the time machine when it locks back into place. Well, I thought it it was that noise of when
1: the
0: the time machine actually goes into action and the white light. Yeah, it was. It was. Yes, yes, I, I agree. It was that noise. I was just wondering had I missed the fact that it also does that noise when they close the door. It does make a noise when they close the door or when they seal up the shutters or whatever it is and the last piece of the the cage. Yeah, definitely definitely it actually felt like a two-parter. I mean, it it feels to me like Jeff's got to spend the entire next episode trying to make up to Holly because it, they they can't just leave it like that and no, they can't leave it like that, but I yeah, I mean, I think
1: it's more of a kind of through arc than it is a a two-part story. Well, we'll see. We'll have to, we'll have to see. next.
0: Time. I, I, as I alluded to, the next episode is the lottery experiment, which I don't know really anything about of it, except that it sounds to me like they're going to try to win the lottery using a time machine. Ah, sounds like a Jeff thing. This, this is my extrapolation. And I'm thinking, maybe this is how Jeff tries to get back in the good graces. He's like, I've got this idea of how we can make you a lot of money so that you can pay to fix this time machine so that we can keep doing time machine things. That's my pure from the title and where they left this episode. That is my uh, thought, because that's the kind of thing Jeff would do, right? I've done something wrong. How can I make this good to you? Oh, I'll get you money. Yeah, I'll I'll help you get money or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, I guess that puts a pin in Death Minister, which really is an odd name. For this episode. I, I wondered
1: about the title actually because the only thing I could think of because it doesn't make any sense. I mean obviously there's a minister and he's dead. That be dead so minister. Thought, yeah. is, is it a play on Yes Minister which may not have yeah. apologies but which was a very oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, enduring sitcom um from the early 1980s.
0: Yeah it is I mean I, I'm very it, I'm I'm very familiar with Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Uh, it's a great show. Oh well, I there never we go. would have put. I would never have made that parallel.
1: Well, it could be. It could now, be. Now, if it was comma
0: I mean, it, minister, yes, it probably should I be. I might. It? I would have. Gone, I would have gone. Oh, I see. That's a play on. Yeah, I think I would have caught it if it was. If it was death comma minister, I think it must be a, a reference. I don't know, then. Uh, it's it, Or or just it sounds cool. It sounds cool. Let's use it. Could be that. Just like Jeff Slade in the loop of infinity. Jeff Slade and the death minister. See, that works. Yes. Then you think he's Joseph Mingala. Mm. Right? It's <laughs> Yeah, except <laughs> he's not, so it doesn't. Well, maybe he is. And that's the secret. We'll find out when they try to bust the UK lottery. Um... <laughs> All Bye-bye. Right.
1: I think just before we we wrap up, I'd like to just mention that since we recorded the last episode, um, I mean, obviously, we have done quite a number of different TV shows on Fusion Patrol, and some things like The Prisoner or Sapphire and Steel or whatever, you know other people have done podcasts about. I think I was fairly sure no one else would have done a podcast about Crime Traveller. And I, I can't remember quite what I was looking for, but I stumbled across... And to Nick Press play, which is another episode by episode um podcast on on TV shows where they've actually started out with Crime Traveller and are working their way through it. Um which is very, fantastic. very slowly. And well, they 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 are ahead of us at the time of recording and will be even further ahead at the time of the release of this episode, so by the time you hear it, they've probably finished putting all their episodes out. They're up to episode seven, and I've just finished listening to episode five, The Sins of the Father, which is the previous episode to Death Minister, which we've just discussed. And in that episode, they say that they have discovered a whole other set of podcasts about about Crime Traveller, which is extraordinary. It's a bit like Russian Dolls. So <laughs> they do not mention which ones they are. And I'm hoping that uh, in their review of this episode. So it's awfully nice of us
0: to uh, mention We're them. and not Tell anybody else. <laughs> but there we go. I, I'm going to stand on. I, I, I am not picking on them this time. I mean, I, I looked at it and I saw Ann and I saw what their description of the podcast is. I'm uh, like, that is, that is this podcast. That, that is exactly this podcast. They're going to pick obscure shows although ours aren't always obscure, but that was the original intent. And they're going to go through one by one because no one else has done them. I mean, that just kind of has the feel to it, you know? And uh, I'm like, okay, that that's... I'm fine with it. Go for it. And then Crime... Uh, and they started with Crime Traveler. Okay. Well, I've got, it just goes to show you, this
1: is a far more... Po- I mean, obviously, it has had a DVD release, so it has some sort of following, but it's clearly more popular than i necessarily or has more of a following than i necessarily realized um and yeah i mean <laughs> good on them for doing it and i've i've been very entertained by listening to their reviews of the episode so
0: i would point out I, I i have also gone listened first. to them but i do not listen ahead either no i, I don't no, listen well, to no. theirs till after we've recorded ours so there is uh you know with the possible exception of something from a previous episode we hadn't noticed that didn't, uh, uh, it's not influencing our our artistic output
1: <laughs> i think it's well, fair to that, say they they've noticed some of the same things we've noticed as well so they, yes, that, as i said the is, show may not be that it, subtle they are not surprising
0: oh. <laughs> no it's it's not um i the enjoy- how long is how long has crime traveler been on our list cuz i have a feeling it's been about 10 years I think it might have been there for quite a while. Yes. I think yes. it's, I think I, it's one of within the first year or two that got put on, on the list that, which we are finally making it, have made a substantial to at 600
1: plus episodes. Yeah. I think that was the thing that impressed me. So it's, just, it's taken us ages to get down to the level where we do crime travel and they've just gone. Right. We're starting right, with crime traveler.
0: Starting with crime traveler. It's like, well, I'm betting they're not going for manimal next cousin. no. Uh, no spoilers on what we're doing after <laughs> it's like anyway all right side so thank you for joining me it's a pleasure as always listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol you've been listening to fusion patrol thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com fusion patrol or patreon.com fusion patrol for our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com fusionpatrol Fusion Patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we look at the final episode of Logan's Run, entitled Stargate. When aliens from another world invade Earth, Logan and Jessica are put on ice, figuratively, and Rem is just spare parts, literally. Come join the conversation.